Hello, brothers and sisters. This is Brother Reed. I'm on the High Council in the Phoenix Young Single Adult Stake, and I'm happy to talk with you today. I'm glad that we're using technology and media to bring us together. Sometimes technology and media gets uh, accused of separating us, and I'm sure it does, but in this case, it's bringing us together, and I'm, I'm grateful to be a part of this podcast. I'd like to start off with a quick story. Some years ago, I used to work in a boat factory. In this boat factory, there was different areas and departments, and I worked in the wood shop, and we built wood components that would go inside each of these boats. There were 20 or 30 people in this in this wood shop and we got to know one another a little a little bit here and there and a lot of different characters one of these characters in the wood shop was a man we nicknamed preacher dave now preacher dave he was very enthusiastic about uh, his religious point of view and and not ashamed to share it and very outgoing and friendly and hence hence his nickname preacher dave I had recently returned from a mission before working there, and most knew that I had been a missionary. And I heard that Preacher David found out I had served a mission, and he wanted to talk to me, but was a little hesitant, and I didn't know why exactly. But finally, after a few months, Preacher Dave, during a break, he came up to me kind of quietly. He looked around before approaching me, and he came up to me in almost a whisper, and looked at me with a very serious face and said, I understand that in your church, you're allowed to have seven wives. Now, those of you who know me at all would know that I saw an opportunity here that I just couldn't pass up. And so I turned back to Preacher Dave with just as serious a face and said, Preacher Dave, I don't know where you heard that, they had cut that number of seven wives down to three a lot of years ago. And I don't know who would promote such nonsense. Now, Preacher Day's eyes just lit up. And I could tell he just wanted to bolt away and just tell somebody this new revelation that he had just discovered. And before he literally ran off, I had to grab his arm and hold him and look at him and say, Preacher Dave, I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. That's not accurate at all. And you should have seen the disappointment in his face when I told him the truth. It's very interesting to me. It was kind of a reflection of society in a ways where sometimes we just want to hear the salacious, crazy story. And when somebody gives us the boring truth, well, we're just not interested in that. And it's, it was interesting to see that right in front of me. Now, my topic today is sharing the gospel. Now, there's, there are those out there that with great enthusiasm and energy, they want to share the gospel in the worst way. And sometimes that's exactly how it comes across, in the worst way. I think I might have just given an example of that right now. Anyway, uh, another way we can share the gospel is through invitation. Now, what is an invitation? Uh, It can be viewed as a suggestion of opportunity with a key component of agency. A simple invitation without coercion or force allows the hearer of the invite to choose for themselves. In 
Recent months, our opportunity, obviously, for inviting folks has, has been limited. Uh, but here, as the church opens up and services resume and society opens up, I believe that the invite's going to be more powerful than it's ever been. Uh, individuals have had time to ponder um, and think about important things, and they're eager to get out. We all are. And I think the invite is going to have more power than it's ever had in recent years. Now, why is the invitation so important in missionary service? First off, many might not know what the actual opportunities are out there. Uh, and with that in mind, Doctrine and Covenants 123.12, For there are many yet on the earth, among all sects, parties, and denominations, who are blinded by the subtle craftiness of men, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, and who are only kept from the truth because they know not where to find it. So a lot of people don't know what opportunities really exist. They don't know the doors are even there when you open them up. So an invitation can be a powerful instrument in letting people know what's out there. A second advantage that the invite gives us is gathering. Now, we've heard a lot about the gathering of Israel in recent times. Uh, certainly an important part in the Latter-day Restoration as it relates to gathering in 1 Nephi twenty-two twenty-five, And he gathereth his children from the four corners of the earth, and he numbereth his sheep, and, and they know him. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd, and he shall feed his sheep, and in him they shall find pasture. Now, there is a great gathering going on, and certainly as we invite and bring people together, we're part of that great gathering. So the invitation can be a critical element in the gathering. Now, as it relates to the invitation itself, the idea of inviting, I was a part of an experience as a young missionary. Many years ago, I served a mission in Central Florida, and I was probably in the first half of my mission. And during the week, once a month, there was transfer day. Those of you that have served mission know that there's a little apprehension around that day. You have to you find out whether you're going to be staying in your area, whether you're going to a new place that could be kind of exciting. Now, as missions go, when you've been out in the mission field a little bit, you start to hear things, hear things. Um, different areas can have certain reputations of being very good and productive in missionary service. Other areas can have just the opposite of, of struggling and not being very successful in the area of missionary service. And so you're anxiously waiting to find out where, where you're going and what kind of area you're going to. Well, the transfers came and I was being transferred to one of these less productive areas. So I wasn't totally jazzed up, but I was excited for the change and happy to move on. Now, having arrived in the new area, I found that my new companion had been transferred fresh from another part of the state as I was. So we both were new and eager to get working and didn't hesitate to get to know this small town of 10 or 12,000 people. Now, we did all the things you'd expect. We followed up on prior contacts. We got to know the ward members. We began tracting all the neighborhoods. We covered all the basics with little to no success. Now, there was one major religion in the community that 
that made it difficult. They had really a, a strong hold on the city with their point of view. They didn't really work against us, but people were pretty much set with their religious point of view and and uh, really weren't even aware of what we did or weren't interested. Now, one morning we went out on our normal rounds and maybe following up on a contact or two and and a, a car pulled up next to us. It was a gentleman we weren't familiar with and he was in this big luxury car that I remember and he powered down his windows as we were on our bikes and he hollered over to us, hey, are you Mormon missionaries? And we looked at him, we said, yes. He said, would you come over to my house for dinner next Tuesday? We said, absolutely. He handed us his card through the window, had his address on the back, and he said, well, see you next Tuesday, and he sped off. And we thought that was all kind of unusual. We knew our branch members fairly well, and he wasn't one of them. It seemed very friendly and nice, and so, we went to dinner the following Tuesday. The, that dinner uh, turned out to be a, a wonderful evening. He had a great family and uh, served this amazing meal. And he told us a little bit about himself. He said that he was a freelance photographer and that he went around the country on varying assignments, uh, taking photographs. And in the prior week, he had been on a flight and his seat companion next to him elbowed him and said, hey, have you ever seen these guys in white shirts and ties in your in your hometown? They're on 10 speeds and they, uh, they go around and have you ever seen these guys? And he said, you know what, I think I have. And this gentleman then kind of explained in general very simply what we did. And then he asked this photographer a question. He said, the next time you see them, would you mind inviting them over for dinner? They're probably a long way away from home and uh, miss their families and and they probably really would appreciate a good meal. Would you do that the next time you see them? And he said he would. He found himself uh, committing to that and he said he would and hence the visit we were now a part of in this great meal with this good family. Uh, well, the evening was coming to the close with uh, with this photographer and all this although this man had no direct interest in in our gospel message, he still was very intrigued with our missionary service. This kind gentleman told us that he would talk to some of his associates he had at the newspaper, and perhaps someone would contact us in the future and, and ask us more about what we were doing. We thought nothing of the comment and went our way that evening. Two weeks later, we got a surprising call. It was the journalist from uh, the Tampa Tribune wanted to set a time for an interview. We were excited for the prospect and arranged the appointment. On that day, the journalists met us with, with another photographer and asked if they could follow us around for about a half a day uh, to get a feel of what we did. My companion and I agreed. So we started with breakfast and companion prayer and they followed us through the day, asking questions, taking pictures. When they were done, they told us they would submit the expose to their editor However, there was no assurances that the article would ever be printed. Again, we thought nothing more of it on that day and, and there forward and went about our missionary work. One week before Christmas, we got the call. The article had been accepted and would be in the newspaper the day after Christmas. When that day finally came, 
We ran to the newsstands, as you can imagine, and purchased as many as we could afford. We looked at the article and found that we were on the front page of our community's uh, special section uh, for our small town. And there were just a very, it was a very favorable article, lots of pictures. And because it was on a Saturday, everybody in town read the newspaper and they were all familiar with us almost instantly. So literally overnight, my companion elder Ames and myself became local celebrities. People would stop and talk to us. Cars would honk and wave. There was an incredible transformation. The entire city had changed to a friendly place full of curious people wanting to know more about what we were doing. The notoriety peaked about a month later when the American Business Women's Association voted my companion and I citizens of the month for this local town. They bestowed that honor on us one evening hosting a citizens of the month dinner at a local restaurant for two young missionaries from out of town. This was a jaw-dropping experience. Now, yes, there were some baptisms that followed, but truly the inspiring lessons learned here were this. First, Heavenly Father loves us, wants to bless us and not feel hopeless. Second, the simple invitation to a stranger to invite missionaries over for dinner ended up transforming an entire city. I will never underestimate the power of an invitation. Now, along that thought, Doctrine and Covenants 123, 16 and 17. You know, brethren, that, the, that a very large ship is benefited very much by a very small helm in the time of a storm, by keeping workways with the wind and the waves. Therefore, dearly beloved brethren, let us cheerfully do all the things that lie in our power. And then may we be still, may we, may we stand still with the utmost assurance to see the salvation of God for his arm to be revealed. Please remember, brothers and sisters, God may have big plans for your small invitations. And through your small invites, marvelous things can be accomplished. Let me end with my testimony. The gospel of Jesus Christ has been restored. Jesus Christ atoned and died for our sins. And if we will follow his humble invitation in 2 Nephi 31.12, at the end of that verse, wherefore follow me and do the things which ye have seen me do. If we will follow that good counsel and follow that wonderful invitation, we will be well on our way to heading back to our Heavenly Father. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.